How can your business deal with negative online reviews? On this episode of It's the Keith Law PLLC Podcast, and I'm Jason Keith, attorney in Houston, Texas. Keith Law is a Texas-based law firm that helps businesses protect and enhance their competitive advantages by assisting with trademark issues and identifying and protecting trade secrets. The firm's goal is to help businesses prevent and address business problems, and I hope this podcast will do the same. For so many businesses, online reviews are the lifeblood of their business. Accumulating positive reviews helps their business grow. Negative reviews, it feels like, can destroy the business. And although if you've collected enough online reviews that are positive, one or two negative reviews probably won't actually kill your business. It can definitely feel that way. And so in this episode, I'm going to talk about how businesses can handle online reviews that are negative when those reviews are false. If the review is true or if it's merely an opinion, then freedom of speech is going to probably override any steps that you can take to force the removal of the review unless the posting person has promised in an enforceable contract to never publish anything about your business. Even then, the freedom of speech may override those contractual obligations. However, if the comments are negative and false and not merely opinion, you may have some tools in your toolbox to protect your online reputation by forcing the removal of those negative reviews. First, it probably helps to get an overview of the law governing speech and freedom of speech. In the United States, freedom of speech is protected by the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, and in Texas, Article 1, Section 8 of the Texas Constitution. So one thing to understand is these constitutional protections protect from government interference with speech. So you may ask yourself, well, how is the government involved in these negative false posts on an online platform? The answer to that is if you file a lawsuit for defamation or business disparagement, you're probably seeking an injunction or a court order, which in part orders the person to remove the false, negative, defamatory posts. And when a judge orders someone to do that, that is a government action. Because it's a government action, these constitutional freedom of speech protections are in play. That being said, as you've probably gathered, free expression is not unlimited. When the expression, the publication, the online review is false and harmful to the reputation of another person or a business, the laws related to defamation and business disparagement come up. Traditionally, it would make sense to send a demand letter for removal of the defamatory publication before you go to court asking for removal, although you didn't have to do that. You could just file the lawsuit. But in more recent years, the pendulum has swung toward more protection for the free expression. And there's two Texas statutes that follow this trend. One I'll refer to as the DMA, that's the Defamation Mitigation Act, and the other is the Texas Citizens Participation Act, which I'll refer to as the TCPA, that's the Texas Anti-SLAPP Statute. And if you're interested in what Anti-SLAPP sta- stands for, you can look it up. It's Anti-SLAPP, S-L-A-P-P, and that's Strategic Lawsuits Against Public Participation. So the DMA requires that a letter demanding retraction or correction be sent prior to filing a lawsuit for defamation or business disparagement. 
This follows the, the best practice previously of sending a demand letter. Now it's statutorily required that you send a demand letter saying, and you have to be clear to the, to the publishing person what they published, which was false and defamatory. You need to be specific and specifically instruct them to retract or correct the publication. And when I say publication, in this episode, I'm talking about online reviews that are false and negative. There appears to be a bit of debate right now about whether the DMA requires you to send that letter to correct or retract in order to collect punitive damages in the lawsuit, or if the entire lawsuit can be dismissed if it's shown that you failed to send that letter. Either way, the letter should be sent. There may be circumstances where it makes sense not to send the letter, but if you don't have really good reasons not to, you need to send the letter. The TCPA, which is the Texas Citizens Participation Act, provides very powerful defenses to defendants accused of defamation and business disparagement in Texas. I'm not going to go into all the details of that statute. It's, it's as I said, very powerful, and you need to talk to your attorney about the potential impact of the TCPA before you pursue your defamation or business disparagement lawsuit. There are some contractual contexts where someone's entered into a contract where they signed a non-disparagement clause, or maybe they promised in exchange for other things in the contract, they promised not to say anything about you or anything negative about you or your business. If they went ahead and said negative things about you and your business, that may get you outside of these requirements. However, you really need to talk to your lawyer before you decide that. It's a very hot area of law right now, and whether violating a non-disclosure agreement, for example, if you sue for that, there's still a question about whether the person breaching the non-disclosure agreement can shut you down and actually go against you under the TCPA. This is something that needs to be carefully researched when you come across that question. For one thing, the answer today may be different than the answer tomorrow, but regardless, the answer is going to be nuanced and, and very important to decide upon before you move forward. What about Angie's List? Some businesses build their business on Angie's List reviews. I've run into this previously in my practice and found that when a business signs up with Angie's List, apparently they sign a contract with Angie's List where they will not go after a consumer for a negative review, even if that negative review is false. Although you may have a right to do that outside of the Angie's List context, you could be violating your contract with Angie's List if you then seek to have a negative false review removed from Angie's List. So be sensitive to that. The main takeaway on this relatively brief episode is just to know that when you're dealing with negative reviews, you may have tools in your toolbox to have those false negative reviews removed. However, you need to take the correct steps toward accomplishing that goal while also minimizing your risk of getting hurt by these statutes that are designed to protect people's freedom of speech. But the most important takeaways here are to know that these lawsuits are out there and that steps need to be taken. And my encouragement to you is to speak to your trusted lawyer in your jurisdiction at the time that you need the help to ensure that you're acting in accordance with whatever the state of the law is at that time and in your jurisdiction. 
I'll have this podcast episode embedded on a blog post related to this topic. You may be able to find some additional resources on that page. To find the page, you'll go to www.keith.law, navigate to the blog page, and you can find this podcast episode in two different ways. One, when you hit the blog page, you'll see table of contents, and one of those contents will say reputation. If you click that, you'll find this episode there. Or once you're on the blog page, categories will pull down, and you can click Keith Law PLLC Podcast, and you'll find this episode there. If you have a question, you can leave a comment on that page, or you can email me at jason at keith.law. Best wishes to you on avoiding any negative reviews online. However, if you do run into any negative online reviews, which are false, I hope this information is helpful. Disclaimer, this audio is for informational purposes only and should not be misinterpreted as legal or other professional advice. If you have a legal question, you should consult with an attorney in your jurisdiction. This is Jason Keith thanking you for listening to the Keith Law PLLC podcast.